Welcome to the fifth episode of the DOS Game Club podcast. Um, I'm Martijn, Tijn on the forums, uh, and I'm not alone. I'm here with our regular co-host Florian. Hi. And we're also here with special guest Ben Lesnick. Hello, uh, good to meet you. Super cool that you wanted to join us, Ben. It's, uh, it's really nice having you. Um, and just to explain to the people listening, um, were you involved with developing Strike Commander? I, I did not work on Strike Commander. I work with uh, Chris Roberts today, but I'm, uh, I've kind of run the Wing Commander community for many, many years. Um, right. And now I work on uh, Star Citizen, uh, but I'm, I'm sort of an origin historian, and uh, just a, I've gotten to know a lot of the people who did work on it. It's, uh, it's a really exciting game in history that I think people kind of forget about. So. Yeah, it's, it's like a hidden gem. It's a, well, we, we played uh, Strike Commander past month mm-hmm. with, uh, with the DOS Game Club. Um, so yeah, we we would love to to chat about this game and and hear your stories. Sure thing. Um, so that's what we're gonna do. Well, you gotta finish him off. Forget it. The sector is clear. Well, what about the price on his head? I'm a fighter pilot, Tex, not a murderer. Returning to base. You, you played Strike Commander, I suppose, Oh, right? yes, yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I would think so, yeah. <laughs> um, because it was, I was reading about this, um, it was developed right after Wing Commander, I think. Yes, that's right. Um, it was, people kind of think of Wing 2 as the one coming right after Wing Commander. Um, it was done simultaneously. Uh, Chris has always been more interested in coming up with new technologies and, you know, bigger better so he he right. kind of did strike commander as his project and then the the b team kind of worked on wing two exactly so so chris chris was really involved with with strike commander um yeah I think people always think of chris as the space guy but i think it just kind of happened to be that he scored such a hit with wing commander one that he was he was stuck with that forever but he he wanted to go off and do you know totally different genres. He wanted to, you know, Strike Commander was his action movie game. He he wanted to do like an eighties, right, right, you know, something like Top Gun. But you're there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's fun, isn't it? Because um, it's it's that era also. Because you started developing in ninety one, I think. Yep, uh, yep. Just uh, it was early ninety one, I believe. Hmm. They announced it at uh, CES that summer in Chicago. Right. Yeah, you um, you showed me this little video actually of of the announcement. It's on YouTube. Oh yes, uh, it's uh, 
it, they announced it exactly the way we think of games being announced today. They had a theater and they <laughs> showed the trailer and played it live, and it was it shocked everybody. You know, wow, uh, that's amazing. So they they rented the theater for for showing this 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 trailer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris, you know, took the stage and presented it. Uh, and it's funny how how identical that is to how we do things today. We we still have the guy missing his flight with the build machine with the demo copy and um. <laughs> oh that's great oh that's super cool um so yeah i i noticed because indeed what you said like the people think of wing commander as this series mm-hmm. but there's an alternate an alternative series going on as well because there's wing commander and strike commander but also pacific strike and yes yeah, so um strike commander premiered a technology called real space that was the engine they created for strike commander Wing Commander 1 was all 2D bitmaps. You know, it, it, had, it stored individual images of the ships, and it, it presented the one it thought your screen should see. Strike Commander was Chris's real 3D engine, you know, textured 3D objects. Um, and the engine that was created for Strike Commander went on to be used for uh, Pacific Strike, Wings of Glory, Wing Commander Armada... Wing Commander 3 and Wing Commander 4. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Pacific Strike and Wings of Glory are both amazing, amazing games. Wings of Glory especially. Um, they, they weren't from Chris, but they, they used the engine, and they kind of took the big, the big mistake in Strike Commander, which was that they made the game... It's, it's very, very realistic. Uh, the, the flight model is... Uh, they, they had F-16 pilots at the time who would say... Uh, say, okay, this is actually more realistic than Falcon, which was the big competitor. Wow. Um, but no, nobody saw an origin game as being a simulator, so nobody ever really took it seriously as a simulator. Hmm. But uh, the fact that it is a fairly accurate F-16 simulator mm-hmm. means that the combat is all done ranged at distance. So you have these beautiful textured aircraft that are like nothing else in gaming at the time, and you don't see them because the battle is over before you would be really close. Um, so... They had initially planned to follow Strike Commander with sort of a sequel using the same engine that was called uh, Strike Commander Phoenix Force, and they opted instead to go with World War II and World War One because the combat is much slower and closer, so you can actually kind of appreciate the beautiful aircraft. Oh, that's that's interesting, um, because when I played the game, I had the feeling I was uh, much more efficient with the gun than with all the missiles that I had. So maybe my, my missile use was uh, not optimal in a way, but uh, I got to see lots of the enemy planes. I, I will, but I'm the same way. I, I don't fly like an actual aircraft pilot. I, I set it to unlimited ammo and I do the gun battles. <laughs> but theoretically, you're, you're supposed to fly with the missiles. I, I don't know that anyone actually does. <laughs> I was I was actually reading the manual um, because I wanted to look up how to operate all the different missiles, but the the key controls they only start at page eighty six or something. I, I, everything before that is all all this flight stuff talking about different airplanes, but, but also backstory and that is so it's really elaborate. That is kind of your classic uh, origin manual. It was done by a guy named David Ladyman. Um, who I also work with today. We we do the manuals for Star Citizen with the same uh, same guy. Really? Um, but yet yeah, it's, it's this idea of this in-universe manual where everything is uh, there's just so much crazy. You know, there's like a classifieds page, and there's the, the different advertisements, and there's that story. I, I love the story in the Strike Commander manual with the assassin, <laughs> and it's you know it has nothing to do with the game. It's just it's just setting the table for the Strike Commander universe. <laughs> yeah, but it's super cool. It's really yeah, it, like you said, it's this in-universe thing. So you really get to you know you're sucked into this world. It's really cool. 
maybe we should explain a bit for our listeners what the story is anyway and why the the manual is so great for the story and how it's actually made uh Because I don't, I don't think all our, all the listeners actually played the game. Maybe so. Oh no! Uh, go ahead. So um, the game is, um, as we have explained, is a jet fighter jet game, and um, it's actually set in the future from the <laughs> point when the game was made, which yeah. is uh, past for us now. Yeah, 2011, I think. And this manual looks like an old uh, magazine for fighter jet mercenaries and it has advertisements for guns and uh, interviews with fighter jet pilots and stuff like that and that's very cool i liked it a lot and it's it's full of like in jokes uh one of the things that strike commander was famous for at the time was how delayed it was it was supposed to be you know, summer 92 and then winter 92 and then early 93 and then mid 93 um which was quite a delay for a game at the time so there's the, one of the things in the manual is an advertisement for strike commander it's, <laughs> the joke doesn't work so much anymore because 2012 is in the past but at the time the release date was <laughs> 20, uh, coming 2012 finally yeah and and it's also i mean if today a game was delayed by two years that would be not not that notable but Back in the day, I think this was a really long development cycle. Very, very much so. Um, you know, games back then had an eight-month. You know, Wing Commander One was done in eight months. Uh, it, it was uh, it was crazy to spend so much time on uh, yeah a game back then. Uh, And was was this because of the complicated technology? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, <clears throat> one of the things I love looking back at Strike Commander is just. Seeing the guys who worked on it, this was in their prime. This, this was Chris Roberts and all those guys. You know, they, they were in their early 20s. They thought they could do anything, and <laughs> nobody was telling them no. So they, they went out there, and they put so much into this game. Um, well, the, the game is, is really techno technologically advanced, though. Uh, I mean, it's not just they thought they would pull it off they they actually did it maybe even a, uh, a year too early maybe even for the technology that was available for gamers at the time i think if we compare the game to doom for example which uses a much simpler rendering technique um, that ran fine on the 386 but i think uh, strike commander didn't really run well on the 486s that we had in 93 did it i don't think it ran well in anything in 1993 <laughs> But I, well, I played it recently on my uh, 80 megahertz 486, and it runs fine there. But that wasn't released until a year later uh, after Strike Commander. Yeah, I remember playing it on a 486 and I think that was about when it got reasonable. <laughs> yeah, that's the same system requirements as uh, Command and Conquer had, but that game is re was released two years later. Yes. So yeah, it's really it's really. Uh, It's pushing the the boundaries. It's it's really on the edge of what was possible. Yeah, uh, and I think the um, the thing that made it so so impressive also is the textures, the the the, the textured models. And that um, do you guys know Paul Steed? He was a uh, um, he, he became much more famous for working on Quake later in his life. But uh, this was one of his first projects, and he was the guy who sold. Chris on the idea of doing textured models because when he was formulating, he was like, "Oh, we'll do it the same as Wing Commander One, but just bigger." And then, kind of convinced him that you could texture a model on a home PC, which people weren't really doing. No, this is uh, this was really cutting edge. Yeah, there were flat shaded um, 
stuff in the late 80s, um, like stunts and stunt driver, I think. They had flat shading, but um, all this textured stuff, I think maybe Strike Commander was one of the first, if not the first. Yeah, uh, before Strike Commander, you kind of had two two different versions. There was the Wing Commander 1 style, which was taken pretty much straight from uh, Battlehawks 1942, the, the bitmaps that rotate so you get a little bit more detail. And then you had things like Falcon or even like X-Wing, where it's it's just the model, but it's it's not... If there's any texturing, it's just very light. You know, so Strike Commander, Strike Commander is kind of the first mainstream game where you sell the texturing, where you you sell the, you get the detail in the texturing that makes it feel like a real aircraft. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so yeah, it, it took a long time to develop, um, and then when it was released, uh, what what do you remember? What the how it how it was received? Uh, Pretty much the way we were just talking about it, it was the idea that this is a really amazing game and no one can play it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it was great for Origin. They they did a fantastic job of selling it. Um, the, after Wing Commander one, uh, everybody wanted to you know, buy the buy the next big Chris Roberts game. So <laughs> they they sold like seventy eight thousand copies to Radio Shack. All these unprecedented sales numbers. Um, one of the things that made the company so attractive to Electronic Arts was they. They wanted this release. Uh, this was, or Strike Commander was started while Origin was an independent company, and Electronic Arts bought them during its development. Um, right. But uh, it sold very, very well. Um, people spoke very highly of it, but I think a lot of people sort of got turned off by the system requirements. I, I actually checked some of the uh, reviews from the time, and it's. All of them are great, actually. Um, there are some 12 out of 12, 88, 96, 90%, number 95 in 100 most important games of the 90s, um, stuff like that. That's impressive. It's, it's kind of surprising how it's forgotten today. You know, we, it seemed like such a huge deal at the time, and it, uh, it was absolutely essential in you know, all the stuff Origin did later. It's, it's the tech basis for Wing, Wing Commander 3, Wing Commander 4, um, but... I guess the fact that they never really continued the fictional Strike Commander universe sort of left it standing alone out there. Yeah, maybe maybe that's because there were the, the Wing Commander series that that blew up, of course, that became a huge thing, and Strike Commander's just there by itself. Yeah. So maybe, mm -hmm. but yeah, and maybe people don't really. I mean, this is all sort of game developer. Uh, a, a game developer way to look at it, like the tech and stuff, but maybe that's not that that goes over the over the head of the people. Maybe like they don't really understand what makes this game so special. Maybe so. Yeah, I guess you don't usually go back to a game and play it because it was a technological advancement. You you play it because it was fun, and I guess Strike Commander does suffer a little bit there because it's it's a simulator and an action movie together. You know, Wing Commander One is it's an arcade game essentially. It's you can pick that up and you know blast aliens, and it sort of has the pretense of being a simulator, but it's it's really an action game. Yeah, Strike Commander has, you know, I, I find that most people when they play Strike Commander, certainly I do, it, turn all the settings for the game difficulty to as low as they can go, so you can just <laughs> shoot stuff, and it it's hard to kind of pick up and play because it is that it has that a flight model, and you you kind of have to know how you fly a jet. Yeah. It is. It is still pretty entertaining, though. I mean, it's not just a flight simulator. Yeah, it's, it's the story and the flight simulator, but they don't, they don't quite mesh right. Hmm. But uh, yeah, okay. You played a lot of missions, uh, Florian. 
Uh, well, a lot. Um, I played as many as I had time for. And at least the first 12, 13 missions or so that I played, I thought the story matched very well to the gameplay, actually. I mean, okay, there are two different things. You have this um, story that is told in the base and you have the missions that you fly. But in the end, the missions kind of make more sense this way because you have all this backstory and you have talked to the people giving you the mission. And when I compare that to one of the other flight simulators that I've played back in the day, uh, US Navy fighters, I think, that you don't have any story at all, except, yeah, there's a war going on. Um, fight and destroy. That was... Yeah. I think it, it makes Strike Commander much more interesting, actually. I, I think this level of, of story is actually pretty unique in, in flight sims. Totally. And I think that actually turned off a lot of flight sim fans too. You know, there are people who are hardcore airplane fans and they, they want to take out their airplane and simulate it accurately and they don't want to worry about all the fluff that a regular gamer might. Uh. Um, and you know, that was kind of the standard at the time. You had like Chuck Yeager, you had uh, Falcon 3. Uh, it was pick up and you fly a mission and maybe there's a little text that says you're fighting a new war in the Middle East or something, but you didn't care. You, you just wanted to fly the mission. Mm. And, with this, it's it's much more immersive. It's we created a future for you, and you're living in it. And uh, yeah. yeah, because at the surface, I would think um, this this game hits a sweet spot between, on the one hand, um, offering this story mode, which is really engaging, and then on the other hand, also having quite a, a realistic flight simulator to to back it up. But what I what I think you're saying is that instead of hitting the sweet spot, it really appeals to neither fan. Yeah, yeah. Everybody kind of has a reason to say no, but mm. they shouldn't have because it's great. It's it's awesome, and there's yeah. nothing like it. <laughs> yeah. Also, at least when you're there for the flight sim, then the story part you can just click through it and ignore it. Basically, then it takes you 20 seconds to go from mission to mission, and you can still just fly if you want to. Hmm. Yeah. I, I was actually looking at the manual. I, I brought up the PDF here. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's super cool. It's... Uh, how many pages is it? Uh, let's see. A lot. It's a lot. Oh, I forgot. That. <laughs> There's this letter from Chris in there about how hard development was and how people, people appreciate it. You, you, you didn't see that so much in games then. It's uh, 94 pages. Wow. And 60 out of those are just a story, I think, right? Yeah, it's, it's all lore. Um, it's got the, the timeline of the future, uh, all these fake advertisements. I, I love it. And the, the story is quite surreal, too, I think. I mean, um, it says that the only thing that all those mercenary groups are afraid of is the IRS. <laughs> um, that's... Which is so, so great in the game. Did you get to the point where you fly the IRS missions? Uh, I don't think I did. Uh, okay, it's, it's it's later in the game. The IRS hires you or forces you to fly missions, and their their character is great. He's he's just like an accountant, and everyone is terrified of him. <laughs> Snively, IRS. <laughs> you did fly the um, the nuclear plant missile um, uh, missions, though. I think Florian. Um, yeah, I don't know if there are multiple, but I've played the one that are in South America where you have to blow up one uh, nuclear plant. And I was thinking, yeah, why not blow up a nuclear plant? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I remember that one. Uh, they, and they did a good variety of the, the different bases and targets and locations. Um, there's, there's so much in this game. It's, uh, yeah, it's so, it's, um, I don't know how to say it, but it's such a, 
you can't really sell it now to people. It's really, I mean, it's it was advanced at the time, but but selling it in 2017, I don't think people understand how advanced this game is. Yeah. So I think you have to sell it purely on the story today. Yeah, exactly. So is is it actually still available on on sites like uh, GOG and and things like that? Yes, yes, we got it out on GOG uh, about a year and a half ago, I think. Ah, uh, that's cool. So. There's bound to be some fans there who, you know, rediscovering it and oh yeah, I used to play this back in the day because that's how the game got suggested to us. Um, I didn't play this this originally in the '90s, but it got suggested by uh, to us by by other members who are seem to be really really into it so the game does have a fan base Good. yeah I, I always kind of regretted that there's not a big you know i, I run wcnews.com the big wing commander fan site and i always wish there was somebody doing the strike commander version uh, i did see somebody who was updating it for vr recently oh wow um, uh, fabian sangla i think he uh, reverse engineered the code and then made an oculus rift version of the game i think oh yeah um, the the engine the real space engine actually ended up Supporting VR for uh, Wings of Glory, the World War One game that was two after this, mm-hmm. um, you could wear like a Forte VFX One helmet and you could look around your biplane. Um, but just the, the mouse look in Strike Commander, uh, you, you press down on the mouse and you can move your head, uh-huh. uh, which unfortunately they dropped for later Wing Commanders. That is just perfect for VR. You know, yeah, it's, it's natural. And even if you just play with the keyboard, it it also does the the head move, the like yeah. which is a bit like mouse look. Yeah. It was a bit. That was a bit weird for me, at least, because um, I had a joystick plugged in, and um, by default, it also enabled the keypad to look around. But it did uh, the steering and looking at the same time, so you had to change the um, input settings before you could actually play the game. Then <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> so, what were your experiences like? How how did how did you how was your first mission? <laughs> um, my first mission, I think, I flew into the ground. <laughs> Yeah, the hardest thing was just figuring out the controls because I, I, I just started the game thinking, well, I've played Flight Sims before, I can handle myself. Um, but then, yeah, you had the looking and the moving at the, with the same keys and it took me a little while to get used to that. Um, but I actually had more luck with the other, uh, the other view modes because by default it starts in first person mm-hmm. where you sit in the cockpit and you look through the eyes. But if you move to a third person camera, it, it becomes more of an arcade game. Oh, that's interesting. So, but you don't have the, you don't have the heads up display then. So how did you aim and use your weapon? I no, mean, you, I, get, I did, you get the I, computers, but I didn't, I just flew around and, <laughs> and <laughs> then switched back to the cockpit once I wanted to fire. Huh. Which wasn't so smooth, but yeah, it's um, it seems like a game you have to really dive into to get something out I, of it. I, I don't know. Um, I wish I had a copy here. the The hint book they sold, the uh, like strategy guide. It was you know, mm. three hundred pages, and it was almost all just how to fly an actual F sixteen. <laughs> uh, I saw that today on on the internet. Yeah. Uh, it's great stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's actually. Quite realistic, because you were wondering, I, I remember us talking about this, that you thought maybe it was uh, it was actually less precise than other uh, than other Sims, Florian, but, but it seems it was quite the other way around. Now that I hear that about the um, actual F-16 pilots that said that, yeah. then that must be true, but... Um, yes, Chris is very proud of that. Yeah. He brings that up when you talk <laughs> about Strike Commander. 
Ah, that's I, cool. I was surfing a bit um, through Strike Commander related sites or some reviews and stuff, and most of them seem to say, yeah, it's not quite as uh, realistic as Falcon 3, for example, but uh, actually, well, it seems like they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, that was the reaction at the time, and he was angry because nobody, nobody took it seriously, kind of because of the story. Oh, um, right. And also, I mean, which game re- reviewer uh, knows what it's like to fly an F 16 anyway? So if it's harder to fly, then it's probably more realistic, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, this is really a hidden gem, and I'm really glad that we that we played this with those game club because this is the sort of game um, that that I'm really interested in because it's nice to to revisit this old these old classics that you know and love, but it's even more exciting to discover a new one that that's. You know, when I discover a new DOS game, to me, that's that's super exciting. That's like, wow, how 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 did I miss this? Um, so so yeah, this game is really up there in the in the hidden gem uh, in the hidden gem category. Um, we talked a bit about the gameplay. We didn't talk about the intro though, um, because that's really when you when you asked. Um, what the first impression is that the first thing that really reels you in is the intro. That's just amazing. Uh, it's really up there with the the classic intros, like games like like Another World, Out of This World. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this this one is also this one of those great intros. Um, I would even say it it has a, sort of a playing intro. The first whole series of missions is still the intro. It's it's almost like Mass Effect, where you you start off and you're not the captain of the ship and you. You learn to play essentially a different game for the first hour. Oh. Strike Commander is kind of the same way. You're you're a pilot in the squadron. You have Commander Stern ordering you around. You don't have any of the economic stuff. You don't have mission picking. Um, it it almost fools kind of a fooled you. It's, <laughs> it's a different game after you know your first five missions or so. Well, it was so sad to see him die though, or read about his death. Oh. It was like oh. He was a nice guy, and suddenly he's dead. And then you have to avenge him. I just remember him describing the plane he shot down in as flying like a pregnant yak. And that's, for some reason, that has stuck in my head for 23 years now. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh. That's like Shakespeare. <laughs> now that we're talking about, I think this uh, nuclear, nuclear plant mission is actually the um, revenge mission after... The, the commander has died. So you blow up a nuclear plant to avenge the death of your commander. Right, right. Yeah, this makes sense. That's, that's a normal reaction, I think. Why else would you blow up a nuclear plant? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> that's, and that's such a, you know, it's, it's almost a pastiche of like 80s Hollywood movies. I mean, your character literally is Mel Gibson. They, they just drew Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, and it's, it's also not completely serious. But it's yeah. like on the on the line of between is is this game for real or not? It's like it doesn't really know. But that's that's actually where it's interesting and cool. Yeah, it's, it's heavy. and especially when you get to like the more missions, like they, there's the one fixer who just talks about muffins all the time. There's silly stuff in the action game. It's it's cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a shame we we forgot about this game, but now we revived it. So. So, to bring it back. Exactly. All our 50 uh, listeners will play it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, Florian, uh, what did you think? I mean, you played all these missions. Um, would, you, would you recommend the game? Uh, are you going to play more yourself? 
Um, if I had more time and we wouldn't carry on with other games in DOS Game Club, I would really love to play more. And I think I will occasionally play one or two missions, but um, sadly I don't have the time for that. But it was actually real fun to play the game. There are some some things that, that from today's point of view make it a bit hard or a bit um, inaccessible maybe, like the um, very short viewing distance. But uh, that's probably also just the technical limitation of the time. Yeah. But besides that, it's, it's, it's super fun to play. And one thing you'll find whenever you get the chance to play through more, it's, it's very unbalanced in terms of content. Um, you, you kind of think, oh, it's, it, you fly the F-16 forever. And they actually have a whole second aircraft, but it's only for the last three missions. <laughs> um, so there's, there's all this content. It's, it's not balanced in content. It, it very much kind of crescendos at different points. Hmm. Yeah. Was that because of the long development cycle that, that they just wanted to put it out there at one point and just thought, well, let's just be done with it? Well, when they, when they pitched the game, it was supposed to be eight different planes uh, and they were supposed to be a whole range of them. If you look at some of the early press releases and some of the, uh, some of the sketches, they, I think we have them up at WC News, the, the very early stuff. It was supposed to be, you have this whole flying circus of aircraft and there's, there's the F-16s, and there's a A-10 Warthog, and there's a like World War One biplane, and there's a P-38, and you you would fly different ones on different strike missions. Um, wow. And I think that got abandoned you know, six months in or so, and they decided mm. to focus on doing the F-16 right. But uh, you get a there's a mission towards the end where you have to. Sorry if I'm spoiling this for anybody. You have to steal the prototype <laughs> F-22. And the guy from the competing squadron has stolen the prototype F-23. So the, wow. there's an epic battle towards the end where it's the F-22 versus the F-23. Um, <laughs> oh, right. And it was at a time when it wasn't even decided that the F-22 would be the next uh, fighter for the uh, U.S. military, right? Yeah, it was still, there was still the competition. The Lockheed, I, I can't remember companies, but one had the F-22, one had the F-23, and they were trying to decide which would, which would be the next fighter. And uh, so Strike Commander kind of has that idea. They have the, the competition, you know, the United States fell apart after this, so they didn't actually build any more, but there's, there's one of each that's the <laughs> prototype that's being stored, and you, you sneak in and steal it. And <laughs> Maybe the game actually influenced the decision made back then. Probably. <laughs> and then if you, if you ever play the mission disc, uh, Tactical Operations, it's, it's so mean because you, you get through Strike Commander like, okay, cool, I finally have an F-22. This is, this is going to be awesome. This thing tears up everything. It's, it's a totally different experience. I'm going to fly these uh, tactical operations disc, and it's, you fly one mission in it, and then your accountant tells you it's too expensive to operate, and you can't use it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken away from you. Oh. Yeah. Um, does, does Chris still uh, mention this game from time to time to you? Yes, um, I think this is one that he you, he kind of looks back on very very fondly. Is this was a really difficult time to get this game out, but it was it was like pure creativity. It was everybody working together. It was you know the great thing you did when you were younger. Um, I know. I hear the. Uh, do you guys know the Zap story? The Zap story? No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so back when they were making Strike Commander, they it wasn't just. Uh, all the audience that didn't have computers good enough to run it, it was Origin 2. They had, you know, one 386, and, uh, you know, all their computers were, you know, low-tech, you know. So in order to test Strike Commander, you, they had to run, everything had, you know, a 20, 40 megabyte hard drive. 
So they, they had this process for Strike Commander where you, they wrote a, you know, a, a shell script. It was called Zap that would okay. format the hard drive, install the latest build on the testing computer. Wow. Um, so you, you, you go to the DOS problem, you type Zap SC, and it would install it on your local machine. It would format your local machine and say you have to play the latest one. Yeah. Um, there's this incident uh, midway through development where one of the, the design, TDAs, technical design assistants, uh, went to type Zap SC thinking he was uh, on his computer playing a new build. But he was actually networked into the <laughs> the computer that the storing the game itself. Oh, oh. Uh, they lost <laughs> six weeks of work because oh. this was before regular backups that actually worked. <laughs> um, and he erased Strike Commander essentially all all the assets and the code. They had they had to piece everything back together. Oh my um, god. Uh, and in fact, if you if you read the manual, the, one of the classifieds is like a, a programmer looking for work, and he's signed <laughs> Mr. Zap. <laughs> oh man! And and, oh, and was the game already running a bit late at this point, or was this actually yes. the cause of the? <laughs> it certainly did not help. <laughs> oh man! Oh boy, what a! Can you imagine being that guy, and then realizing what you've done? But I, I think the oh, thing I learned man. most from that is that. Chris didn't even think about firing. Him. He was a good designer. He just made a mistake. Yeah, just a mistake. And okay, well, make make backups, kids. That's the. <laughs> uh, luckily, we have uh, version control today, so that will hopefully never happen to anyone again. Yeah, and we have more than twenty four megabytes of uh, of storing space, so that helps. Do you really? Wow. Um, through the days. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's super cool that you wanted to join us, Ben. Oh, I'm happy to. Uh, and it's been super fun to to listen to your stories. Sure thing. It was really good to uh, talk Strike Commander with somebody. Nobody in the world ever wants to talk about Strike Commander. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do. And uh, and, and I'm actually, uh, I think we're looking forward to playing more Chris Roberts games in the future. Uh, I mean, we have to cover Wing Commander at some point. And and maybe some of the other games that were based on this yeah. engine, because I think some of the other games also run in DOS. I think yes, they're all all of them are DOS. Um, oh, all of them. If uh, it, Wings of Glory is my favorite <laughs> non-Wing Commander game, it's it's just beautiful. It's a War Inspector game, so it, it has just this loving attention to the World War Two. No, sorry, World War One sense, and it's just everything comes together in that one. It's a beautiful game. Oh, that sounds sweet. We'll have to play that one. Of course. There's no way around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not this year because we should spread out the cool games a bit over the lifetime of the podcast, but. <laughs> yeah, not, not bulk them all together. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, super cool. Um, thanks uh, for, for uh, DOS Game Club member Styrix for, uh, for suggesting this game. Um, we played it because of him. So uh, yeah, had great fun with this great flight sim and uh, by the great R Chris Robert, no less. So. Super nice. Um, thanks, thanks for joining uh, us, Ben. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, super cool. Um, I suppose you have to get get back to work now. Oh yeah, I guess I've got <laughs> new Chris Roberts games to make. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's new but ones. Thank coming you out. so much for having me, and thank you so much for spotlighting Strike Commander. And uh, you know, I know you guys. 50 listeners now, but you're going to be big. Your your website is beautiful. You you cover such interesting stuff. Um, wow, that's uh, uh, it's, uh, well, it's a cool thank program. Thank you very much. That's that's 
really kind uh, of you. That's very nice. I'm not sure if our um, we have no idea about what we're doing attitude is uh, the right thing to get big, but <laughs> we're certainly trying. It's the only thing we can do. So. Exactly. <laughs> that's how you get games like Strike Commander made, is that I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so uh, that's Strike Commander. Um, this month, uh, which is almost over actually by now, we're running a bit out of sync, but we'll be fine. Uh, this month, we've, we've been playing Command & Conquer which we mentioned earlier, which is uh, from 1995 by Westwood Studios. Um, yeah, so that one uh, will be discussed next. We had fun with that one, didn't we? I mean, we played online and played through all the missions. Yeah, that was... I haven't played all the missions yet, but I have uh, three days left. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll just do it next month. Um, like, who cares, really, right? yeah. You can play Command and Conquer whenever you feel like it. Right. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the next episode to look out for. Um, now, uh, the month after that, which is August, the next game uh, that's lined up is drumroll. <laughs> it is Quest for Glory by Sierra Online. Um, it wasn't originally called Quest for Glory. It uh, it was originally called Heroes Quest, but they had to change the name due to licensing uh, issues. So uh, yeah, it became Quest for Glory, and then it uh, it spawned a whole series, like so many Sierra games do. So there's uh, I believe there's five games all in all. Uh, four of them are uh, for DOS. So yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm really looking forward. To uh, to playing this, it's one of my childhood classics, uh, or or favorites, I should say. Um, I don't think you've played it though, have you? Never. I heard the name, and that's all I know about the game. I mean, now I know a bit more because I, I read about it. But um, before you mentioned it a while ago, I never heard about, or, or I never knew anything about the game. Yeah, I think you're not alone. I think this game is is. Um, to me, this game is super big, but um, I'm I'm actually not really sure if it's if it's that well uh, or that widely known. So, uh, but the game was um, was released when I was four years old, and it was not until eight years later that I got my first computer. I mean, the game was old by that time. Yeah, okay. It was, okay. It was already retro when I had the chance to play it the first time. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, many games that we've covered, they were f before your time, and and that's right. <laughs> you still knew uh, Grand Prix Circuit, for example. That's true. So yeah, I don't know. This game is a bit between obscure and well known, I think, uh, which is also interesting. Um, so yeah, that will be what we're doing in August. Um, now there's also something to announce for September, right? Because we're just we're just keeping uh, we're we're keeping this one game a month thing uh, going for now. I think. Yeah, I mean, we had two games last month, and that yeah. didn't work out so well. So I think we will get back to um, yeah. one game per month. Yeah, exactly. And that makes that makes more sense, especially for recording the podcast afterwards. And I mean, both Scorched Earth or Strike Commander could have taken up a whole month in hindsight. So we'll not risk uh, getting into that trouble again. Yeah, exactly. So we're just sticking to the one game a month format. Um, 
So the game we'll, we'll, we will be covering in September. Um, what's it? What, what's the game again? It's one of the games and the first time that we play a game by a company that we have already covered, and it's it software. Right, We're playing Commander Keen in Ooh. September. I mean, oh, that's that's another it, big one, though, is it? That's really big. Um, I mean, even if you haven't played the game, you probably know about it. I think everyone who ever had a DOS computer has has have heard of of Commander Keen. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I don't know any uh, school kid in my class who didn't have Commander Keen. It was the biggest thing. Yep. Um, Someone installed it on a computer in our school, so we were playing it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the game is quite tiny, I think. Uh, I I remember... Well, I don't know. I, I should check this. But I remember having multiple Keen games on one floppy disk. Yeah, I think they are like a few hundred kilobytes each. Wow. That's tiny. And they also developed them super rapidly. Uh, I, think, I think the first three, <clears throat> they were released... I don't know, all in the same year or something? It's really, uh, really crazy. Yeah, I mean, they're called episodes, each of the games, so I guess that was planned ahead or... Yeah. Well, we'll figure it out. But yeah, Commander Keen. Yeah, but, but it also spawns so much um, of gaming culture. I mean, the Standard Galactic Alphabet, you find it in many, many places. I think uh, Minecraft uses it for some stuff, and um, I think Feast it, and it's very cool. It's it's uh it's it's I want to say it's a classic, but it's really more than a classic. It's it's yeah, it's quite something. So yeah, um, looking forward to to Commander Keen in uh, in September. But first, we're going to play Quest for Glory next month, and we'll cover uh, Command and Conquer in a podcast shortly. Uh, so so far, thank you for listening to the Strike Commander one. A special thanks to to Ben Lesnick for joining us. Uh, thanks to you too. Thanks to Styrix for for suggesting the game, and thanks to all the listeners and and members of our little club. Um, yeah, keep keep I don't know, keep listening. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> Join our IRC channel. Yeah, we're on the IRC channel uh, on Afternet called uh, hashtag or, or pound sign uh, dos game club. Um, and also join the forums, of course, where we uh, try to talk about the games. Yeah, the forums are a bit, um, I don't know, they're empty at the moment. There's not much going on, but yeah, that's why we need people like you to join the forums and post stuff there. Exactly. More people need to talk about, yeah, need to use the forums for discussing. Because then we can also use that material to discuss during the podcast. So that's really helpful. Right. At the moment, most of the discussion actually happens on IRC. So that uh, Tyne actually thought about making a... Some kind of recorder bot that automatically posts stuff to the forums, but yeah, uh, that's, I'm, I'm, that's something for the future, I guess. You, we need some way to to uh, to to get the stuff from the IRC to the forum because the IRC is currently where the discussion is at. So it it would be nice to archive this in some way. But yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah. Um. um so yeah, for now, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, until the next time, I suppose. Bye. Bye.